This episode was recorded on Wajak Noongar Budja, and we like to pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This land has always been, and will always be, Aboriginal land. Kaya, Wanju, hello and welcome to the Youth Pride Network podcast, Queer and. My name's Hannah, my pronouns are they, them, and on this podcast, we sit down with LGBTIQA plus people from our community and talk about their experience of being queer. On today's episode, we had a yarn with eight incredible advocates in the community to talk about their experience of being queer and First Nations, from the challenges, to the highlights, to their hopes for future generations. This episode was recorded in three sessions. The first with Eva and their child Nick from Yurayakin and Toby from Bali Justice. My name is Toby. My pronouns are he, him. I'm a proud Larrakia Wajikan man from the Northern Territory, um, but I've been living here in Bali for the last 12 years. Uh, my name is Eva Grace Mullaly. I am a Widinyarulu from the Yamaji Nation in the Midwest of Western Australia, but I was born in Queensland and grew up in Southwest of Western Australia, and my pronouns are she, her. I am Nick. I am a Widi Yamaji from the Southwest. Midwest. Midwest. Oh. <laughs> Born in the southwest, yeah, and my pronouns he him. I do want to add something, and it was it, it was remiss of me that on the drive over here, I thought about how I introduce myself as a witty woman. I usually say witty nyarlu, mm. and uh, Nick was beside me, and I was like, oh wow, I haven't told Nick how to introduce himself, mm. and I said in the indigenous communities. Um, with a trans woman, we say sister girl, and, mm-hmm. and a trans man, we say brother boy. And I said, so, Nick, you would introduce yourself as a witty brother boy. Yeah. And when Nick was introducing himself, he looked at me because he'd forgotten. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, <clears throat> I, I have to acknowledge that I hadn't told Nick that before. And so, you know, we're all learning and it's mm. all fantastic. Mm. But, yeah, um, my personal pronouns as part of the showcase where I met you, Hannah, I refused to have she, her. I wanted witty Yarlu mm. um, because that literally says – where I'm from and that I'm female. Mm. So <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah, wow. So, you know, I, I think Nick now can take away that Nick is a brother boy and a witty brother boy just to boot. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, Nick, do you want to try, like, your introduction again and say, like, you're witty, witty brother boy? Uh, hi, I'm Nick. I'm a witty brother boy. Uh, sounds weird. No, <laughs> it doesn't. The more you use it, the easier it gets. Yeah, but. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> wow, thanks for sharing. That's amazing. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah, I think brother boy is such a cool term to describe trans like men like yeah. oh, i'm mm. like that's mm-hmm. that's awesome like trans mask i'm like whatever yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, it's a, and it sounds really like um yeah the way you said it you had this kind of like sass on your face you're like mm-hmm. yeah i'm cool mm-hmm. yeah, i'm a bunch boy. of boy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our second session was with shania from the ypn who interviewed their friends zoe and danny um i'm zoe my pronouns are she her but also okay with they them um I am a Murray woman from far north Queensland originally, but um, grew up mostly on Cubby Cubby land. Um, but my mob is Bindle in the Burindji. I identify as a lesbian. I identify as queer. I identify as gay. Um, Gender queer, queer in all in all in all forms. Yeah. Um, my name's Shania. Um, I'm from Gumari Mob. My pronouns are she, they. So um, I am also a lesbian and queer and genderqueer and gay and I love it. Oh, my name is um, Danny. My pronouns are they, them. I am Bard and Yaru, which is from the Kimberley region. And my go-to word is queer. Um, I identify as non-binary leaning kind of on the journey, to, I guess, towards trans non-binary. Um, and 
But yeah, I'm not offended by being called a lesbian. Just all the things. Um, it took me a while to get... Uh, for a long time, I didn't feel like queer fit for me. But now as I've gotten older, it's been something that um, I've really embraced and I think encapsulates all parts of my identity more accurately. Our third session was with Dillian from the YPN and their mother Ingrid. This interview took place in their living room and if you listen carefully you can hear the oven whirring away cooking fresh damper which we devoured when the interview was over. Hello my name is Dillian, I use the it pronoun. I would also like to say that wasn't my nunga name Yonga? Your nunga name is Yonga, yes. My nunga name is Yonga? <clears throat> yep. Kangaroo. Grey kangaroo to be specific. So you've got a um, birth na- uh, birth totem of Jinder. Which is the comet, which is wasn't the it? Which is the comet, yep. That fell from the sky just before you were born. And then mm. you were given Yonga as a totem by your grandfather. That is so, true. Mm. I'm a comet kangaroo. Uh, so my name, Yonga name is Nguliak, but my born name is Ingrid. Um, and I'm a very proud mother of Dillian. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'll let mum like, explain it more, but I'll say what I know. Um, I know that me and mum are Noongar and we're from Wajak and Belladong, aren't we, mum? That's right. That is right. Um, and we're part of the Collard family. Hmm. About 700 others, but yes, Collard <laughs> is... <laughs> 700 probably a bit more, but yeah, we've got a very big extended family. Very oh, lucky. yeah. Uh, so Wajak Baladong. Uh, so Wajak is the language group of the Perth area or Burulu area. And then uh, Baladong is out near Brookden and Pingley, where my father was born, where his mother was from. That's around the Wee Belt, right? Yeah, that's right. Wee Belt. Yeah. So uh, we've got connections pretty widely through the southwest, um, but also through Pilbara, and some Maritime connections through um, the Midwest and the Gascoigne. So we're very lucky we've um, got family connections all the way as far up as Tiwi Islands. Is there um, anybody you don't know? No, that's why I married your dad, because he's Tasmanian, so there's like three states and a big ocean in between uh-huh. anyone I was related to. So I, I thought at that oh, yeah. point it's safe. Yeah. Um, so when I was around probably 12, 13, um, I figured out that I was bisexual um and that hasn't changed i remember a lot of people saying back then um it's just phase you'll grow out of it well it's been a couple of decades of a phase i haven't grown out of it yet i'm not quite sure if it's going to happen anytime soon so um as i got on like i discovered other you know um sort of like pansexual and all sorts of stuff um but yeah i think bisexual um definitely explains my sexuality um and how I identify in the queer community. So, hmm. And then, at the same age, someone else decided to tell me something. Oh, yeah, something. like around the same age. So, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. But around 13, I'd say, maybe 12, but probably 13, I think, um, I came out to my mother because at the time, I thought I was bisexual. Um, however, after a much more thought, I realised that I, in fact, was not, and that I was asexual or maybe somewhere on the aromantic spectrum. Um, And I also came to realise that I wasn't just um, queer when it came to my sexuality, but I was also queer when it came to my gender. And in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense, because I remember I used to think one time I had a thought along the lines of, um, oh, I don't want to be a girl. I I wish I 
could be like no gender and this makes a lot of sense because I identify as agender and because agender is not a very known one so I'll explain what it is. Agender is um, the identity of basically your gender is not having a gender, that makes sense. A lot of people might consider, like, think, oh, non-binary gender, is that not the same thing? And there are differences. Non-binary, from my knowledge, is when you feel like a third gender, a separate gender from girl and boy. But agender is just kind of feeling like you don't have a gender. Is your gender? Like, just none. No. Um, and that that's just how I feel with everything. I remember for a bit I was confused. I remember I used to um, think... Oh, am I non-binary? I don't want to be a girl or a boy, but I remember the term didn't feel right. I didn't want to be a third gender, I wanted to be no gender. I wanted to see, is there an identity that describes that? And once I was just, I think it was on TikTok, I randomly scrolling through my For You page and I see someone explaining uh, like gender identities and they had said, this is a gender. This is explaining, and they explained what it was. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot like how I feel. And I did some more research and I was like, yes, this is definitely what I identify as. This, I think this personally explains me very well. The next question we asked our guests was, what is your favorite part about being queer and First Nations? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I suppose one of my favorite things about being queer and First Nations is that there actually aren't many of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. no. And we all generally know each other. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and everywhere you go, it's like another level of... Um, uh, relationship with people. So as as First Nations people, wherever you go, you find the other First Nations people. And then on top of that, as queer people, wherever you go, you find the queer people. Mm. And so, yeah, you find that instant kind of camaraderie mm. where, where you go. I agree. I think just the uniqueness of the like intersectionality of these two things that typically have been minorities. And then when you bring them together, and like Eva was saying, you find your little like group and your community of people, and that's really, really lovely and nice. So I'd have to say that as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Same with mum. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, I'm Nick's mum. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I just like really showing it. I like showing it off to my friends. <laughs> just dropping the bombshell. Yeah. I love the like community focus in both identities. I draw so much strength from my blackness and all the black people around me, whether that be you know, my family or um, chosen family and um, other mob that I come across. Um, But I find so much strength as well in all the the queer people that I have around me and my chosen family and that sort of identity as well. Um, Yeah, I love being black and queer. I think community is the biggest thing. Um, And I think coming from adversity and coming from um, minorities only does um, bring about that connection to people around you and like-minded people and people who've got similar um I guess from similar backgrounds and um, also being queer and stuff like that so yeah I think a community is a massive thing um definitely in both aspects um and if those aspects can intersect that's even stronger connection to people um I guess first thing that I thought about was obviously the timelessness of both um you know, First Nations people have existed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and so has queerness. And, I mean, obviously having both identities puts you in really tough situations sometimes, but 
as you both have said about the strength that comes from both of that com- communities, like being able to channel that strength is obviously something that is like so incredible to be a part of. And yeah, I don't know. You just feel like a really cool person. <laughs> I was going to swear. <laughs> the PG version. <laughs> a really <Badly>. cool person. <laughs> uh, the best thing about it is embracing it. Um, because it's who I am, it's who I will always be. And, um, I couldn't think of anything to be more proud of than to be First Nations and queer. I, um, I love it, man. Like, it's like, oh my God, how many barriers have you got? You're like, you know, you've, you're a black young woman who's queer. And I'm like, do you know how much of a niche skill set or like, you know, like I've, I've got a whole perspective that a lot of people might not have um, or get a platform um, to, to express. So um, that's that's where I will take every opportunity to make sure. Um, to be, like when I do Welcome to Countries, I'll wear my ally badge. I will, you know, I will put rainbows up. Like I, I've got a, literally a rainbow the inclusive the flag door. in my um, car window. Like I need everyone to know that if you – well, the proud parent sticker from minus 18. So oh. – any way I can to, to let people know. And when people go, oh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. So, well, let's talk about why that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, because you need to know that if you're in my space, then I'm, I'm an ally. And that means I want you to think about the most respectful way to conduct yourself around me and, and my children, and my family and my community. So let's talk about why you're uncomfortable. So Hell yeah. mm. hope you understand our point of view mm-hmm. because you, you have such a, different world perspective when you're when you're one of these things you have a different world perspective when you're all when you're like multiple you really see the world in like this different point of view I guess me being neurodivergent me being queer me being aboriginal just I see the world in a way that some people would not if they went in my shoes that's so true so wise oh thank you I'm just picking up the fragments of my heart off the floor because it just exploded Uh, with pride watching them uh, talk uh, so beautifully and from the heart and so passionately. I'm a little proud. I'm a little intimidated. It's amazing. We're not future leaders. We're ready to jump in the leadership. Go for it. That's what I say. Our next question was asked by Shania. What are some of the challenges you face with your own mob? or um, with non-Aboriginal communities um, by being queer and Aboriginal? This is a big one. This is so huge just because we are so bound as Aboriginal people by a lot of cultural protocols. So when you're talking to people about a lot of different things about being queer and Aboriginal, and then they want to talk about things like, you know, gender specifically, you know, we talk a lot about like men's business and like women's business. And then you have a lot of like, you know, non-binary and trans people being like, but what about us? And it's kind of like, well, we never had, um, historically, we don't have any records or, or, or spoken stories given to us about non-binary and trans people. I mean, they existed. We know they exist. I mean, I think we all in this room are, are a living example of, of, of that. Um, you know, so it's just really hard to make that connection, to give people that education, that information when things like colonisation and stolen generations have really fractured all of those, um, I guess, tools that we have and, 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 and the discussions around it. So that's, I find, something that's really, really challenging and tricky to say people your experience is valid being, you know, a trans Aboriginal person or a trans non-binary person and you existed back 
you know, thousands of years ago, but we just don't have the, I guess, the, the tools to back that up. We don't have the examples. No, yeah, correct. Through, through uh, a loss of storylines mm. and, and songlines and, and generally a way of being. Mm. Um, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, Toby, but also there's the, the opinion that because we don't have any stories that are anti-trans yep. and anti-queer, um, mm. it must have been accepted. Yes. You know, it yep. must have been completely normal, mm-hmm. Perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. The only stories that come in as anti-queer are through colonisation and yeah. um, and religion, yeah, and kind of the in, in impact of religion on our traditions. So, mm. but before that, there is no, yeah. There's just so so we can't say that we didn't exist because we know we yes. did, yeah. Um, but it was an issue. Yeah. It just wasn't anything people talked about, and yeah. it's a conversation I have a lot mm. with a lot of people. They're like, mm-hmm. but how was you know how was your mob with queer people or, or gay or straight. Um, yep. And I was like, fine. Yeah. And like, but what, you don't have any stories to prove that. I'm like, I don't have any, yep. st- I don't have any anti stories to prove yeah, that either. Absolutely. So it must've been okay yeah. because and, we know we exist. So <laughs> yeah. During the time of my coming out as well, I was more scared to tell all of my like non-indigenous friends than I was like my own family. Wow. Yeah. It was, yeah. it's, it's so wild. Like, you know, just thinking about that experience, it's so crazy because you do feel comfortable w- with your mob and it's all about sharing and, and helping each other and mm-hmm. loving you no matter what. Like, that's just, like, very, very lucky. Yeah, I was so I was so lucky because, like, obviously being a gay person and, and, you know, being on apps and meeting people and just a whole array of different things, like, you, you hear people's coming out stories and they're incredibly traumatic. Mm. They're just, like, absolutely just heart-shattering. Mm. And for me, I had a really positive experience, so... Trigger warning for anyone listening. My mum passed away back in 2013. So if anyone's grieving, I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, and I, I never got the chance to tell that I was gay, but I'm sure she knew because, you know, being a young kid, being like, Mum, I want Britney Spears. <laughs> Give me the album, My Prerogative. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure she knew, but, you know, I never got that chance. But mm. my um, second elder sister who lives here, I'm, I'm one of six kids. I took her out for waffles one day and I, was, I came out to her and I was crying over my waffles and I'm like, I'm just Aww. so sorry. I'm like, I'm, I'm gay. And she's like, oh my God, you're ruining it. She's like, you're ruining your waffles. Don't cry in your waffles. <laughs> she's like, I don't care. I love you. You're a good person. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You're like, you're a good uncle to my kids. Like, we love Aww. you and, and we see the work that we're doing. We're like, we're proud of you. And I'm just like, started crying more. I'm like, oh Aww. my God. Like, so I'm really lucky. And all my friends have been so supportive and... Like I come from a pretty cr- like progressive family anyways, but like I said, it's always just my like uncles and older aunties and grandma who, who they get it and they love me, but they just, they don't really get it, mm-hmm. which is, which is fine. And that's, again, that's just a thing, but like, I've been really, really lucky in my experience. So very grateful. No, I, I, I still have the occasional issue, not just with mob, but with people in general, because I'm of a, a different generation to Nick, for instance, where, mm. um, the parameters are quite rigid and there's no talk of a spectrum and there's nowhere in particular I fit on that spectrum in regards to my identity. So, and it's really actually the same for me with my indigeneity because Mm -hmm. I'm a fair skinned black fella. So Mm -hmm. I also fit on a spectrum Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, the conversation comes up a lot. I've had people say that I tell me not to identify as queer because that was an insult Mm -hmm. um, in in their generation, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I've gone, well, there's nowhere else for me to fit, really. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that there was a term for who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just, it, for me, it happens that queer fits the most because it is a spectrum. It's mm-hmm. it's from one side to the other. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you reckon, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hannah, can you repeat the question? Just yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So we've, like, we've gone off on a tangent. No, yeah, this is great. <laughs> and great. I've ca- sort of lost the question. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so I'm just talking about the challenges you face in your own community and outside of that being a queer First Nations person. Oh. It shows. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> They're a problem for they everybody. Are an ongoing problem. Yeah. yeah, I mean, do you feel like, um, do you feel like sometimes Nick, maybe you have to like pick one sometimes when you're kind of talking to your friends, like, w- can I talk about my issues as a First Nations person, or can I like talk about my issues as a queer person, or will they understand both? You know, do you think there's kind of moments like that? They, no, they only really understand the um, queer per- person ones because they're all white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. But then there's also, I mean. Both of Nick's, um, all three, four, five of Nick's grandparents have trouble dealing and kind of comprehending uh, the fact that Nick is trans. Mm. Um, And we have discussions about that a lot. And I'm like, I think the oldies, you just got to let them go with what they want, Mm -hmm. um, but be yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we try not to get offended over pronouns. I still struggle with it myself Mm -hmm. with Nick, um, but Mm. we work on it. Mm. How, How are you finding it, Nick? As well, uh, like when people like mispronounce me, if like they're close friends to me, I'll correct them. But if like I barely know them, I'll just go okay. <laughs> yeah, you have to preserve that emotional labour, mm. hey. Yeah, and I and I think for myself as well. Like I work as a cultural and diversity coordinator at a not for profit called Monsley, and I do a lot of work in the in the diversity and inclusion space as well. So, and I do work with a lot of golden oldies <laughs> and, and for them as well, like they, they really are trying their best, but at the same time, like it just really misses the mark. Mm. And like an analogy that I've used best for it is just like, you know, your name is John, for instance, but someone keeps calling you Jack. Yeah. And, you know, after a while of being called Jack, you're like, all right, that's that's not my name. Yeah. And you need to start calling me by my name, which is John. Yeah. Like I, I just like it's that analogy. Yeah, yeah. And sure. and I also say to people as well, because then, you know, when they meet a non binary or a trans person and they have they them pronouns and they let like the occasional she or he slip and they're just like Yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't make it bigger than it needs to be. Apologize genuinely and like just acknowledge it and, yeah. and move on and say like, you know, I'm gonna be better and, and, and be better in working on that. Absolutely. Mm. And it's the same thing with um with culture as well. Like mm-hmm. some people are coming from a from this colonizer perspective and we have to really unpack that when we're looking at things that are really unique to, to other people's experiences because I feel like when it comes to transness, like mm-hmm. your example, mm-hmm. a lot of people are building on a transphobic foundation, yes. trying to build their understanding. And and when you have a foundation that's already transphobic, it's gonna be really hard to learn. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of destroy that foundation yep. and build a new one. Yeah. And it's exactly the same with that's being that, that's, um, yeah. First Nations. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. That's it. it. The whole It's all built on assumptions and, mm. and what we're taught, which is quite often mm. wrong. Mm. And then someone will ask us, what is it? You know, what is it to be Aboriginal? Mm. And you know that nine times out of ten, uh, those questions are coming from someone that's actually trying to disprove you, not someone that's trying to accept who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's hard. I'll start with... Like non-indigenous communities, um, I guess it's like it's a day-to-day thing of like, okay, am I going to experience homophobia today or transphobia or queerphobia today, or am I going to exper- experience racism, or am I going to experience both? <laughs> and um, trying to prepare myself for those situations. Um, that's pro- yeah, that's that's way harder than dealing with like some mob who might be homophobic, um, because at least 
when if I do experience homophobia from mob or I guess ignorance from mob, um, in my head I understand that that's a result of colonization and it's learnt behaviour from very external powerful forces that, you know, have entrenched so many horrendous ideas about Aboriginal people, first of all, and also queer people. Um, I guess, yeah, so, yeah, I guess it's more so the challenges that I face um, amongst, like, non-Indigenous peoples that is probably more noteworthy, I guess, or, like, something that's constantly on my mind um, most days. Yeah. And it's just like trying to figure out how do I best navigate these situations if they do arise. Um, and um, what's the word? Figuring out how much energy I have to spare for those situations. It's all one big like maths calculation and I haven't done maths in a while. so <laughs> Gays can't do maths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're smashing all the stereotypes there today, we are, though, so we, <laughs> we can do maths. <laughs> I, it's hard to talk about because, um, well, not necessarily, but um, I feel very privileged in um, my experience and I can attribute it a lot to it being a light-skinned um, black follower. Um, but, yeah, I've had actually really, really good experiences with mob um being very accepting of who I am and um yeah I it, yeah even my my close immediate family I didn't really experience um any they were just really accepting um yeah so even like my extended family my great aunties and stuff like that they're all just really accepting of who I am um which I'm very fortunate for um so on that front on how my mob's been towards me um it's been pretty positive which is nice to reflect on um I think in regards to um how my identity um has been received my queer identity has been received by other mob has been um really positive um I think which is also a thing that should be celebrated um especially because yeah um I think, yeah, just like um, my family is often, um, I mean, they've been through a lot um, growing up on like Aboriginal missions and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's just, I've had I've had the privilege to have a very open and non-judgmental family um, because they, they don't want to judge me because they, they've been through stuff as well. So they, yeah, I've just been really fortunate in that sense um, and even like on my white side, I would say like they've also been very <clears throat> understanding and and um and accepting of me and my queerness. Um, but to flip it on the other side um, of yeah, in queer communities, um, there's I've never had super terrible experiences or anything like that. And again, I attribute it probably to my um <clears throat> light skin and and things like that um but there is just like a bit of ignorance which is um always kind of going to be there and like 
at those points you just got to see how much energy you've got to make that into either a teaching moment or or you know teach it you know bring it back to a teaching moment when you got more energy or whatever or tell someone else to deal with it because you don't want to deal with it um but um apart from that yeah I've I have had quite positive experiences in both fields luckily um I think that's where I'll end that (laughs) yeah for me black people radiate love and so I've never really had any negative experiences from mob which has been really nice um and I think this whole I guess like idea of coming out is such a colonial concept so it's not something I've ever necessarily felt like I need to do um And again, like my light skin attributes me a lot of privilege in that sort of area when when dealing um, with non-Aboriginal people. Um, But then on the flip side, so many ignorant comments. I feel like a lot of gendered roles may tie into the fact I'm agender. Like like I think we discussed before we started recording women's business, women's business and men's business and how me being me, it's, I guess, a bit awkward going to women's business because, and I think you even said that like with your own culture, with like men type business, like, you know, you were raised in a sisterhood, you don't feel comfortable going to men's business and that's the same with me, but I also don't feel comfortable going to women's business. Not as uncomfortable with the men's business. I was raised as a girl too before I realised I was agender. But the thing is though, as I feel I'm not a woman, it's just, I guess, a bit awkward for me to be there. Like I kind of feel like a... Why... Oh, I don't really know how to describe it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, good way of describing it. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, when I when I came out, um, it was very hard because people weren't talking about, you know, being bisexual or gay or whatever. I mean, you knew gay, gay people, but you know, they were th- th- those fellas. You know, yeah. like there's a real stigma around it, so didn't have a lot of safe space. But I found when I got to university, I, I met this incredible crew of people. Um, and there was this um, queer group and a queer room, and I'm like, ooh, this is places where I can, you know, have conversations and feel comfortable about that side of me, but still not. Because I used to – I had an elder come up to me once saying that um, if you were gay um, in traditional times, they would mutilate you, like it would be punishable um, by mutilation. And and it was (laughs) – I remember thinking, well, I'm not telling you about my girlfriend, but Ah. – it, it it was really scary because there was this real and there's you know the strong sort of religious connection as well um, around um, it, you know not being right and it's wrong and all that kind of stuff. So sort of as a young queer Nunga woman at nineteen, it was a bit of a, um, a bit of a strange space to try and navigate. And now we're having more conversations around um, obviously what Dillian talks about in relation to their feelings of, of a being a gender and that's just something that's really new to me and I don't say it's new as it's a bad thing it's just this is a thing I need to understand better um so I'll be the first one to admit I've got a lot of learning to do but in the cultural space you know it has predominantly been men's women's business but there's also been sort of neutral gendered space business as well so um I guess my call to action as I go into that role of elder one day um how can I advocate for culture to 
transform and grow and innovate as it always has um, because 200 years ago is, we didn't we didn't have films we didn't have um, you know we, we didn't have different particular you know new media art forms podcasts we didn't have this kind of stuff to talk about culture but now we do um, so you know in years to come clearly we need to think about how culture transforms with the time and stays relevant and continues the song lines and culture but it does it in a way that's inclusive not exclusive of people who you know identify you know as queer or agender or whatever it might be we're all humans and I think ancestors don't discriminate based on any of those things it's about making sure people feel sets a connection still so um, and that's that's been my promise to Dillian is when I become an elder I will definitely um, do what I can to uh, play a role in how I can support and advocate that. But as a sort of a young leader now, I'm certainly around to support and put my hand up and to have the conversations and create the space for our young queer First Nations and all First Nations, uh, all queer mob, to, to feel safe in a space as they should. Yeah, wow. Mm. Strong words. That was my family, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. But they didn't know I was queer. So um, <laughs> um, very strong religious background as well. So, you know, it's um, – you kind of – yeah, you just – I mean, I, I hate to say you kind of just dealt with it, but at that time you didn't know what else to kind of do. So you, you did. You, you jumped back in the closet and, you st- well, you stayed in there until you felt comfortable being around people where you knew you could be yourself. So – but, yeah, the um, – it's it's a scary it's a scary thing when people are using culture as a catalyst to promote hate. I don't like that. And in my um, career, I've you know I've done a lot of work around cultural um, heritage and research, and I've read and I'm, and I've taught cultural studies at university and gone into schools and done heaps of stuff, and not. In any of the thousands and thousands of things that I've read, have I ever seen anything that would suggest that any of this was wrong, bad, punishable or anything? So I guess to anyone in my community who questions that, that you can't be a person of culture if you're queer, I ask them, well, show me the evidence that it's not cultural or that someone should be excluded from their community and their cultural right to carry on songlines and culture because they're queer. If you can't produce that evidence to me, then I'm going to have to assume that it's okay and that we should support because some of the biggest statistics of youth suicide are our young First Nation kids. And that ain't right and it's not okay. And not even just First Nations, but our young people, the suicide rates and in the queer communities, you know. I don't know any other reason to be motivated anymore to make sure we're creating safe spaces when you hear something like that. So, and like I say to people, you know, however my child chooses to identify and live their life is fine with me because I just want them here. That's the most important thing. I just want them here and I want them to be um, happy. Not perfect themselves. I want them to be themselves and I want them to be happy. And if, if being queer makes them happy, then I'm right here behind them. So um, I, w- I wish I had that. Growing up, so I guess I'm just giving you, Dillian, what I wish I had had um, back in the day. And I'm so. glad I have it now. Mm. Very glad I have it now. I know that Mum grew up in a time where it was very 
discouraged, especially with everything, to just even think about being queer. And it's times like this, I'm so glad the world has progressed so much un- until I was, until, since I was born, because I'm so glad I didn't have to deal with as intense of that growing up, growing up currently as my mum unfortunately had to. I'm so glad people aren't just so angry towards the fact of someone being queer. I'm so glad I um, have the fortune to be like not just hated for what I am. It's just what I want to kind of say. Very grateful I live in the growing society we live today. Queer mob go through the same discrimination that our First Nations mob have of people fearing something they don't understand. It's as simple as that, really. Um, and the more that you understand this thing, you realise that it's not, a, it's not a threat, it's not bad, it's not evil, it's not any of the things that may have been pumped into you from sources that don't understand it. It's just a whole different bunch of mob that we get to connect with and grow with. So um, I think queer mob and First Nations mob can really sort of come together on that. Um, sort of we know what it's like to be discriminated, but we know how important it is to put the positive messages out there to support the next gen. Especially when people like us are both, it's always very important to embrace things like this, I think. Our next question was, what is your hope for the future of queer First Nations peoples? Well, I mean, one of the reasons I, I uh, put on the play The Some of Us, which is, was actually written in the late 80s, early 90s, with a First Nations cast, was to give an example of the fact that we've been a part of these conversations forever, that we're not, we're not an issue, like blackfellas are not an issue to the side of society's issues. We are a part of everything. Yes. Um, and it was really eye-opening to people because even uh, myself – you know, my early twenties in the scene, there were very few blackfellas, yeah. and we all hung together. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, yeah. For, for a sake of safety. Um, so I think one of the things I'd really like for the future of uh, queer First Nations people is that inclusion. Mm. Actually, in in everything, you as a lot of people, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of blackfellas don't come out early because just being a blackfella is yeah, enough of a stigma. struggle. Mm-hmm. Totally. And and then to add another stigma mm-hmm. on top of that is overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, really, until you find your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you want for the future of queer First Nations people, Nick? What um, do you want for your future? What do I want for my future? <sighs> I want to say more, es- less essays, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe just a place to like hang out and mm-hmm. chill with other people that are like me and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Because that's what we're saying. We don't know of any. Not. I'm not saying they're not out there. No. They're just not very visible yeah. at the moment of places for f- queer First Nations people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I, you know, we know quite a few. Yep. Because we run a lot of um, youth ensembles and mm. and workshops in high schools and stuff like that. So, but we can't be. Um, so I'm. I work at Uriarkin and Theatre Company. We we can't be the catch-all for everything. There has to be these other avenues for young people. Yeah, because I don't. I don't uh, identify with ends of the spectrum, and I didn't even know there was a term like pansexuality in my youth. And so I would try and ex- describe to my mother how my feelings went. And, you know, my mother would be telling the next person that came along in the street that I was a lesbian. And I'd go, mm-hmm. Mama, I'm not. Yes. <laughs> She's like, but yeah. you said, and I'm like, that doesn't make me like gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also not straight. I've never identified with straight and I've mm-hmm. never identified mm-hmm. with gay. Yeah. It just, they, they just don't fit me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like as long as I've known you, Eva, it's, it's never, ever been 
anything that we've ever discussed, you know, be like, no. I'm Eva and I'm this. Like, no. it's, it's just Because <laughs> it wasn't a label. Yeah. Before you came in, Toby, I said to Hannah, oh, Toby, I've known him since he thought he was straight. Yeah. <laughs> I think one day as well, funny stories. So like it, one of the first weeks that I've had, I don't remember if you remember this, Eva. I think it was like, it was the first time I ever heard about the court. And this mm. is back when the court was like just a little tin shed and it was really like Whatever. A real, I owned real, that scene back yeah, then. Yeah, but it was like, it was it was great. It was the best time is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I like, I remember like Eva and I walking there, walking to the court and she's like, yeah, we'll go to the court, like a couple of drinks after like Ab Theatre one day. I was like, yeah, no worries, of course. Like, let's do it. I'm heading that way anyways. Walking towards, I see the rainbow flag outside and I'm like, oh man, I'm not out yet. Oh, oh gosh, I'm yeah, feeling so conflicted. Just the court. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But back then my journey was, oh no, I'm not out. So I can't go into this place because, you know, people know I'm gay. Yeah. And I think I actually like smoke bummed eater. I'm like, I'm so sorry, something's come up. And I yeah. like ran home and like hyperventilated oh. on like my way home. But I was just so trying silly. to offer a safe space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she Because she knew, <laughs> like she just knows. Like it's just so funny because you have all these people and like we just say, you know, if you're not really related in mob, but like, no. you know, a sign of respect, I would call like either sis or, or auntie because, you know, she's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stick with sis or cuz. I'm not yeah. that old. <laughs> but even I then, am, like, am, but just it's, it's the wisdom of the story and the experiences that Eva has had, you know, that's what I look up to. So mm. there's um, also a thing, I mean, even if I didn't uh, kind of spot Toby mm-hmm. out way before he mm-hmm. was out, there's... In the arts, you want to take people to those spaces anyway to make sure that they're okay with it mm-hmm. because um, one of the first things I say in interviews is if you have an issue with um, homosexuals mm-hmm. and if you have an issue with black people, mm-hmm. tell me now. Yeah. I don't want to have to deal with this later. You know? yeah. um, oh, no, no, of course I'm not racist. I'm like, and 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 gay people yeah. do you have an issue? <laughs> is there a problem? Oh, no, I'm not racist. No, no, I'm not racist. I'm like, mm, yeah. Because they're, they're actually not yeah. exclusive. No, and, absolutely. And especially in, well, wherever I'm working, they're mm-hmm. definitely not exclusive, yeah. <laughs> you know. But the arts is, like I was saying, so accepting that, but you do find people that are incredibly phobic um, of a lot of things in the arts, desperately wanting to be artists and bless them, but I don't want to work with them. Simple as that. Yeah. So it's it's one thing i ask straight away and I, and then i will expose my artists to um not unsafe spaces but safe spaces for other mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and so that we can get a recognition of what a safe space can be like for other people so that we can create those spaces so as well yeah just having spaces that are for queer mob like yeah. not just that we're tolerated in spaces we want like actual spaces that mm-hmm. are safe for us that are that the people employed there are also black and queer, like that is culturally safe and um, supported and diverse because also in black queerness there's also other intersections like, you know, neurodivergence, like disability. There's a lot also within our intersections. So just having, yeah, spaces out there that are there to specifically cater for um, our people um, that are, is led by peers, so led yeah. by the by us. Um, yeah. That's my huge thing. I want to work in this, like in this field. So hopefully, like doing my part to do it. Um, but yeah, working in um, sexuality education and working with mob is a huge thing that I want to get into. So hopefully, uh, and I know similar in parts. Yeah. Of this panel here, um, so yeah, I think um, not waiting around for it, like doing it ourselves, because yeah, yeah 
I guess we are the future. <laughs> that cliche. <laughs> yeah. I'm hope, I hope that it gets to a point where, and I mean, I feel this way about just like queerness in general, um, but I just hope it gets to a point where you don't have to even come out. Um, and I hope it gets to a point for other black queers that we don't have to come out and we also don't have to explain our culture, um, that there is a baseline understanding, um, which at the moment is pretty much nothing. Um, and, yeah, just, like, people not expecting our time and energy all the time for free um, and placing value in in our existence in this country. Um, I can see mental health care facilities written on here. <laughs> 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 there's so uh um yeah a more holistic like approach and like especially mental health places would be great like at the moment I'm like I see my do- my main doctor and a psychiatrist and blah 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 because I have ADHD um and like I have said so many times that I'm non-binary but they still just say like she her or whatever and thing and it's just like but then they'll like put me on close the gap or like I'm like <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but Yeah, like thanks for the free medicine, but now I need it more because you're p- putting my mind like stressing it out, not gendering me correctly. Oh sorry. <laughs> Honestly though. Um No, but I yeah, um I think the mental health thing is a huge, huge thing for me. Um in terms of it being more, um, what was the word? Culturally supportive and safe um, because, you know, mental health issues are a huge thing amongst mob, um, but especially where I'm from, and this is a trigger warning, um, but, yeah, there is high rates of youth suicide and so that's something that has always, I guess, been in my mind from when I was younger, like growing up around that all the time. Um, and and even though, um, you know, it hasn't happened to me, like I always get into this headspace of like that could have easily been me because of so many of the things that I've experienced being black but also being queer and and – I'm just very, very lucky, I guess, with the support of my family and things like that. But it's like there is so little access to proper, safe mental um, health care places, especially for black people. So imagine what that's like for black queer people. Um, And that's something that I really want to see change with it. Yeah, for there to just be safer and more culturally appropriate like appropriate places i think what danny was saying about um you know wanting to get to a space where we are not needing to come out i think is like i would love that um i think i'm trying to decolonize so many aspects of how i identify and how i carry myself and i think yeah, this whole idea of coming out is 
such a white view um, and I want to throw that in the bin. So <laughs> that would be really uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but also there's like an expectation that we have to come yeah, out. Yeah. That, that's, that's like yeah. another thing as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah, I just don't appreciate that expectation. Ain't nobody business. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. Um, but then, yeah, having spaces that are exclusive, exclusively for black queer people who are like that are run by black queer people and who only employ black queer people is just so powerful. Um, and I would love that in terms of, you know, um, uh, healthcare facilities, but also like um, social groups and nightclubs and all of those sorts of things, because I think that's quite often overlooked write an essay on racism within the community within mm. within the queer community so <laughs> i'm like have it on my desk by monday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no time for it i yeah. could no. <laughs> no. um you know through my experience and i really hope that nick doesn't have mm. to experience that mm-hmm. but th- literally the only place once a year that nick and i get to go and be ourselves is fair day mm-hmm. mm. because it's the only under 18s uh mm. pride activity yeah, that wow. we can go to together yeah i didn't think yeah. that yeah. yeah it's true which yeah, which is also where Nick told me that he is trans. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Go off, Fede. Like, yeah, and I was like, wow, <laughs> so when did this happen? <laughs> Making it happen. Talk about yeah. a really safe space. Yeah. Yeah. How, did, so how did that good. go, Nick? What, what happened there? Uh, well, I was just walking around like, you know, I'm going to put a bunch of trans flags on my face and then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it's trans stuff. It's like, still don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got this badge that said he and was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, you really want that one? Yes. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then we had a good day at, at Fair Day and then we we're walking home like, so uh, when did that happen? <laughs> and he goes, oh, maybe about a month ago. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love that. Are you okay? Do, well, do we talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wow. we've done a lot of talking about yeah. it since, yeah. But I love that it didn't need to be a massive song and dance show. No. You know, Not it was all. just, oh, yep, this okay. is how I'm identifying. I, this is, like, this is me. I yeah. absolutely adore that our youth can now mm. uh, absolutely. experiment and and really play with their identity and who they want to be. Now, it wasn't the case in my day. You had to be one thing or the other, and everything in between was just confusing to everyone. Mm. Um, so, you know, so my um, my sexuality journey was really similar to Nick's trans journey in that we're happy with who we are, yeah. but the rest of society has a problem yeah. uh, trying to identify us or put us in boxes. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Well, it shows a lot of courage, Nick, doing yeah. that. And and I mean, as much as it was like a no-brainer for you, I guess, in that moment, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to see how, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It still shows courage. Yeah. Nice work. Um, we, we talked about Nick's name because uh, Nick's uh, birth name was is a androgynous name anyway. Mm-hmm. And I said, what about your name? And Nick goes, well, I know you just wouldn't want me to change that because it's androgynous anyway and it's a, it's a tribute to my run. I'm like, so what about Nick? We call you Nick all the time. And it was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I've seen too many stories of um, friends and family and what they've gone through when they haven't had a support network. So being queer and being an ally and making sure I'm there for for others, um, which I have been for a lot of people, um, is is wonderful Um, because it's it's not – worth living a life trying to be something you're not 
Um, so you, you just might as well be who you want to be. So what the great thing is for all you young mob out there who are listening is that there's so many different avenues now for you to explore and touch base with and network with um, and so many of us out there that just want to make sure you have that safe space and you feel supported and you be unapologetically you, however that may look, as you should, as is your birthright um, to do so. So, And having more queer First Nations mob not feel shame about exploring and embracing their Aboriginality and their connection to culture and talk to us as well about how they can be queer in the cultural space as well. So the Walken Cuttagen program, you know, I, I, actually, I actually got a little bit emotional when they said that a whole bunch of elders turned up and did nothing but give love and support. Look at the bloody goosebumps all over me. To that young mob. And it was at Murdoch, at the same place where many years ago I was told that that stuff was bad and evil and I'd be punished for it. So it's just that was a big moment for me. I'm like, oh, history is being rewritten. Things are changing. This is great. And my young person is a, is a part of building that and that just makes me so proud. Um, and Spider and all the other crew that I are I love involved. Spider. Um, love Spider. Spider's great. Spider's Hello, Spider, great. if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, just, just, yeah, seeing more and more of that being support. Like that's my favourite thing about being First Nations and queer is knowing that I can, I can be in that space and support it and um, be there for others who, need, who, who might need a mentor or a or a friend, or an ally. I am a friend. Mm. have to feel comfortable about whatever their voice sounds like, whatever your voice is, like, own that space. Like, because we can't, we can't be the best allies we want to be if we're not hearing from you how you want that to happen. So however it might come out in the beautiful mishmash, colourful, yeah. creative way it comes, then that's... Perfect. It's beautiful. It's what we want to hear. We don't want you to tell us in a way we want to hear it. We want to hear it raw. And I certainly do try to be myself when I talk. I have a very unique way of, as I said, seeing the world, but also speaking about my experience as well, I think. It's just a splotch of like color and a lot of people think it's great. Some people think it's weird, but that's their problem, isn't it? I'm me. I have my own splotches of creativity. That would would be it. Basically, let young fellas have the first and last word on this issue. That's who we're trying to help, so that's what you need to listen yeah. to. You have your sassy awesomeness, I have my sassy awesomeness. It's going to even add each other. <laughs> Good day. So Good much day. sass. Yeah. The final question we asked our guests was, what advice would you have for your younger self? Well, that's, I mean, so much. <laughs> but I think, I think the, the thing I would have said to myself now when I was 20 years younger was it's okay. Mm. Yeah, it's okay to just be mm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, the pressure to fit somewhere in under a label was exponential. It was yeah. huge. And I mean, people used to ask me, you know, so what are you? And I'd say, I'm Eva. Mm-hmm. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just, I ended up rolling with just make the assumption you want to make. If that's what make you, makes you feel safe, mm-hmm. then that's what you label me as. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, But uh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Is essentially just be you. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's the only thing. Cause I think every queer person, 
and and you're a liar if you say you don't. Like you always struggle with your queerness, with your gay, lesbian, trans, non-binary, asexual, mm. however however it is you identify. It's so hard. It's this internal conflict of you know wanting to please parents, it's wanting to please friends and society, mm. which is just all a joke. It's all just a construct. But like I mean. <laughs> For me, coming out and, and accepting my queerness and being a gay cisgendered man, like that's, I, I mean, in itself is for everybody a, a journey. Um, but it's just, yeah, like Eva said, just to, it, it's okay. You're going to find people who A, look like you as well. You're going to see other queer Aboriginal people. Mm. That's going to be your community and that's okay. And like Eva said, just be yourself. Like just as long as you're a genuine, kind person, that's what I tell my younger self, that you're going to be okay. Mm, yeah. It's beautiful. Mm. What about Nick? If you were talking to someone younger than you that was going through the same journey you're going through, what would you say? Um, I, I'm not sure. Yeah? No, I don't really. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not an easy, but it's also not a particularly hard journey that you've had to go through. No. Because everyone around you, you're surrounded by artists. We're all mm. quite accepting of who you are. But if someone was... Uh, you know, told us that they were trans and, and whatnot and was having a hard time about it, what advice would you give them? Just don't give, like, don't care about what anyone else thinks. Just keep on keeping on, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good one. Mm-hmm. I say that a we lot. love that. <laughs> so essentially I tend to gravitate towards that, my queer elders, um, like uh, Uncle Jim Morrison and and queer accepting elders as well, like Aunty Raymond Morrison and Della Morrison, you know, actually all the Morrisons. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, and there are others um, in the arts. So my community is very much the arts because the arts is pretty accepting of, of whoever you want to be. Um, and then I find my elders amongst that uh, so that there is no judgment and they're really supportive of myself and Nick um, in general. Yeah, we just go gravitate towards the elders that get it. You are black enough and you are queer enough and you are enough just existing. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Yeah, as someone who like often doesn't feel black enough and like has been times that I haven't felt queer enough, like having saying that to yourself and like to other queer black followers truly is powerful because, yeah, um, we obviously live in this society that teaches us all these things <laughs> these colonizing things um and so much so that it often gets bled into community too you know like it it is also reiterated by mob saying that some people aren't black enough and you know same in the queer space absolutely telling other queer people they're not queer enough so i would just say yeah um always going back to what shania was saying about yeah you are black enough you are queer enough that's a huge message sure and you don't need to prove it as well. At all. Where are the receipts? <laughs> um, <laughs> any receipts? <laughs> I lost my gay card years ago. I'm very forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Danny? <laughs> um, so when I was, this is a little bit of a story, but like we love stories. Um, <laughs> so when I was younger and I guess coming into my queerness, I guess, or like, you know, realising it and whatever. Um, my my uncle is gay, my dad's brother, and he lived in Sydney whilst, like, he moved there when he was 18 and he lived there for, like, 30 years or something. 
Um, so I just knew him as my gay uncle and he looked exactly like my dad. So anytime he was in town randomly, I would think it was dad. And then I was like, oh no. Anyway, that was a tangent. Um, but I remember referring to him and being like, oh, I have a gay uncle, like blah, 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 whatever. And now that I've come out, which I came out a very long time ago, um, but now that that's happened and I've got nephews and nieces, I know they've asked me questions of being like, oh, or they're like, oh, is Honey Danny gay? And I feel like the pattern is sort of repeating itself. But I think about how I felt when I realized that I was gay and queer and knowing that I had my uncle and how I spoke about my uncle and thinking about, is this going to happen where, because I lived in uh, Nam for a long time as well. I'm like, do my did my ne- nephews and nieces ever refer to, like, be like, oh, I have a gay auntie that lives in Melbourne, or, you know? And that always, like, has, maybe they were talking absolute nonsense about me, but um, who knows, but... You know, I just, I think about that a lot and and in that way it reminds me of like, if you don't have the role models in front of you, I was lucky enough too in terms of my uncle, but if you don't have the role models in front of you, keep going and keep carrying on because at some point that conversation is going to happen about you. Absolutely. It's so funny because even my little nephews now, it's like, my uncle's gay and he has a partner. <laughs> Or, like, sometimes I'll be at home and, like, one of them will be like, oh, that's gay. And they'll be like, you can't say that. <laughs> like, it's it's so good that they're already, like, building all of these, like, ideas around it, which is super cute. Because so. yeah, their opinions yeah. aren't built on assumptions. No. They're built on experience. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's going to be younger people looking at you being like, wow, I wish I had that much bravery to be so blunt about who I am and so staunch in it. Um, and like, that's pretty beautiful to me. I'm like, my job's done if, if, if that's, you know, the effect that I can have. And so, yeah, just believing in the fact that you can have that effect on people if you, um, just carry on being proud and being who you are and not giving to anything's about anything. Or anyone's opinion that they are that they live in a society that should not and does not like just despise them for being who they are there's because i just want them to know they're not alone in these things there's people like me people like mom or just people like me that are their age that know exactly what they're going through or similar that they can like relate to me in some way and i can relate to them and it can form like a strong bond that we understand each other in the, these aspects. And I think just knowing that, um, like, there's people to talk to, there's more resources out there now, there's, like, things we can do to, like, make you confident in yourself and your identity as, like, Aboriginal or queer or different in anything that you are, to just know that you are not alone, you are supported, and you should be very, very proud and proud on who you are. That was very well worded, I think. Yeah, you smashed that. Well said. Now I'm intimidated. And that's today's episode of Queer And. A huge thank you to our guests for sharing your stories and your wisdom. 
The Youth Pride Network is a collective of queer advocates working to make Western Australia a better place for queer young people. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Youth Pride Network. For resources or information on the guests from today's episode, check out the show notes. For feedback or recommendations for upcoming episodes, hit us up via our website, youthprideNetwork.net. Help us fulfill the gay agenda by giving this episode a share or writing a review. Stay safe and thanks for listening.